Life Audio. The Mama Take Heart podcast with Rebrina Rettel is brought to you by Life Audio and is a part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. You're listening to Mama Take Heart, Understanding Your Gen Z Girl, a show designed to help you be the compassionate, gospel-centered, and influential voice in your girl's life. I'm your host, Rebrina Rettel. Today, our guest is Tiffany Bloom, the author of Pray Tell, Why We Silence Women Who Tell the Truth and How Everyone Can Speak Up. She's also a podcast co-host of Why Though? Tiffany speaks at conferences and events, and her work has been featured in Publishers Weekly, Sojourners, Red Letter Christians, the Version Bible app, Jenny McCarthy Show, and more. She leads Sip and Savor, a women's gathering in the Pacific Northwest, where she lives with her husband and two sons. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tiffany. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is an honor and a privilege. Well, today we're going to talk about a little bit about your book, Pray Tell, Why We Silence Women Who Tell the Truth and How Everyone Can Speak Up. And in that, we want to talk about consent. But I wanted to start with you and why you chose to write this book. I wrote Pray Tell after my own experience of speaking truth to power and finding that I had so much to lose in the process, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, uh, communally, financially, and and it hurt. And so it really set me on this trajectory to discover why do we treat women the way they do when they have something of substance to say or something that could rock the boat? And why are we so quick to side with men who have a rebuttal that demeans or subjugates a woman? So here I was, just a girl who played by all the rules and followed everything her church told her to do growing up. Mm -hmm. And when push came to shove, I was so surprised that the church didn't, didn't take the side of justice. And so my heart is for us to all excavate. Why do we do this? Because the honest truth is 90% of us are bystanders to to situations where there's an abuse of power at a woman's expense. Mm. So that means 90% of us have an opportunity to stand up because for many of us, this won't happen to us, but we're still complicit in systems when we don't even realize that that really put women down, whether we grew up in a complementarian culture, if, if you grew up as a person of faith or egalitarian, there, there's, there's problems in both. And so to be able to step back and look at this with a critical eye is necessary. I mean, girl, you get it. You can't go three months without seeing something in the news of some pastor falling or some CEO taking advantage of women in this company. Mm -hmm. So this is clearly happening everywhere in the faith space or or secular, sacred, whatever it's happening. Mm -hmm. So it was really my heart to unpack all that. Mm. Yeah. I think you did a great job. Well, you know, I didn't grow up in, uh, in Christianity. However, since I've become a Christian, which was in my 30s, I've taught teen and tween girls. I've attended girls' conferences. I put on a girls' conference. And one of the primary lessons in most of the teachings is about purity or what is known as purity culture. Now, I was concerned about it because of the way that I've seen it taught. Many times it's taught in a shameful way 
one, as if it's something you can never come back from. And it also removes responsibility of self-control of the boy or young man. And it is very blaming of the girl. And so I really wanted to have this conversation on consent because I, I don't think it's talked about enough in Christian circles. And, you know, there's so much to unpack in this book. <laughs> but in particular, I was interested in chapter 10, because, which is titled, It's Not Her Fault, because it really drilled down into the mindset that blames women for everything. And I mean, literally everything. And so, first of all, let's go with some of the, the teachings of the past and how yeah, they- we can start there. So interestingly, after the sexual revolution of the 70s, the evangelical church, specifically the Southern Baptist Convention, they decided they want to swing that pendulum the other way and kind of came up with this curricula that has become purity culture as we know it today. That was their answer to the sexual revolution that took off in the late 80s and 90s is when purity culture really hit um, the mainstream Christian culture. And you really hit the nail on the head. Basically, women and girls are responsible for what happens to them. They need to control not only their bodies, but the eye, gaze, and actions of men and boys. Mm. And it's, it's, you know, the, the subtext of that is it's the most important thing about you keeping mm-hmm. your legs shut, keeping your stuff together. You know, this is the most important thing about you. So your salvation depends on it, which is mm-hmm. a lot to put on a 13 year old girl. Are you kidding me right now? Come on. Mm-hmm. So, and interestingly, Christ himself said, you are responsible for your own thoughts and actions. Yet we were able to find a way to, 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 to put some semblance of control. And again, it turned into the subjugation. And, and when you look at religious trauma of girls who grew up in the purity culture and felt so much shame because of it, sociologists and, and psychologists say they often have the effects and symptoms of somebody who was actually sexually abused. Mm-hmm. That's how damaging and shaming it can be when you are told if something bad happened, you must have done something to deserve it. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing is we're employing this just world hypothesis, which says that again, if something everything is as it should be, everything is just. So if something happens to you, you did something to deserve it because if you didn't, it could happen to me too. And none of us want to believe that something bad could happen to us. Therefore, you must have done something to deserve it because we don't want to address a whole system. We want to just be able to pin something on one person. And often it becomes a girl. And so where I believe that we can reimagine, the church can prophetically reimagine what this can look like is we can look at consent for both boys and girls because we need to be met. The messaging needs to be the same because I also want to flip the coin of this where we tell teen boys, you know, wait for your smoking hot wife. If you can just keep it together until you get married, God's going to reward you with a gorgeous wife. And, and then, so we're telling girls, you know, stay chaste, keep it together, and then be this goddess once you get married. Like, my grace, this is so confusing. Yes. I mean, for me, I I grew up in purity culture, and I was signed, sealed, delivered. I signed on to all of it. I'm telling you, era, sing a thing. And then I got married, and it took me about five years to understand what it meant to be a partner, an intimate partner with my husband, because I was so, I couldn't, I couldn't get rid of the shame mm. that I had adopted in my youth. And it really, really impacts my marriage. So we have got to reimagine this. And it starts with understanding this. And we can start this young, y'all. We don't got to wait till they're teenagers. We can start as soon as they're verbal. So 18 months to two years old is you're the boss of your body. 
Yes. You're the boss of your body and you are the boss of eye contact. When somebody's offering you eye contact, you don't have to receive that because believe it or not, the subtext and the, and the body language is 90% of the communication in, you know, flirting or harassment. It all starts with body language. So you are the boss of your personal space, the arms distance around you. You know, we put out our arm and we do a circle. That is you. That is what you get to be in control of. You're the boss of your body. You're the boss of your personal space. You're the boss of eye contact. No one gets to touch you without your consent because we sexualized consent, haven't we? And it's not a sexualized word and inherently. And where it goes off course is when girls go to the recess duty and say, hey, you know, Robbie pushed me off the slide. Oh, Robbie's just being a boy. We excuse it. People in authority start excusing. So girls think, oh, I just have to take this. So for the adults who are listening, we cannot excuse behavior in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. Equity, equality, and justice starts so young. It starts when the stakes are low because Mm -hmm. the messaging and that frontal cortex says it develops, we are putting in messages that are going to solidify. So we have got to get our messaging right from the start. Mm. So as the kids grow you know, you, it's hard to find a middle school girl who hasn't been harassed because boys want to be seen as a, as a man in, in their peers' eyes, and they want to be seen as a man in other girls' eyes. And they believe that this is one of the ways that they can achieve that. Mm-hmm. So even then teaching our boys, having the conversations before they're in the locker room, Hey, if somebody said something off color about a girl in your class, how would you react? How could you stand up for her when when she's not even in the room, Mm. being able to have these conversations with our kids, we got to prepare them for the world we're living in. And so again, consent, understanding that it's not, we're not going to sexualize this word. We're understanding that you're the boss of your body. You're the boss of your space. You're the boss of your eye contact. You're the boss of your time. You don't have to give someone time when you don't want to. And, you know, even our, our daughters and our nieces and our granddaughters, we might say, oh, oh, go give uncle Carl a hug. And you can tell she's uncomfortable, but because we have taught girls to be nice at the expense of being kind, kind and commanding is beautiful. Mm. That is okay. So if we can allow a girl to be in control of her body and not force her to touch, hug, you know, receive a kiss on the cheek from someone she feels uncomfortable with, we start there. We we do not want to condition our daughters to take something on their body that they didn't deserve in the first place. Yes. Okay. I really like that because I remember my daughter was little and someone wanted to um, hug her or something and she pulled away because she was a shy girl and I did not, um, I didn't force it. I just was like, yeah, well, she's reserved, <laughs> you know, yeah, and that's okay. She's allowed to be that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. It does start young. And then also my thing is because you talked about what consent is and then, and then you, you already kind of went into the how and when of consent. Like how does a girl not offer consent in the first place? And then when she can say no, because what I'm understanding, I'm older my generation was basically, you were taught, if you were in the mist, you have to go through with it. You Mm -hmm. have to follow through. Mm -hmm. And as I am learning, my daughter's in college. And as she's learning, I'm learning this generation, they're not playing that game. They're like, no, Mm -hmm. consent is ongoing throughout your interaction with a person. And so you can remove yourself from this situation or you can 
Say no at any moment. And you do not need to have the feeling that you have to follow through with something that you are feeling very uncomfortable about. So I wanted to talk about from a standpoint, like even an authority, because there's this stuff about authority figures taking mm-hmm. advantage of teens and mm-hmm. they feel like their spirituality is at stake. You know, at stake. Yeah. Yes. And that they will get in trouble if they don't follow through. So talk about that. Break that down for us. Yeah. I think the the corruption of those in authority, those who have power and abuse it. Because we, there, there's a clear path of how to abuse power. It, it's very pr- predictable and 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 we can fix it. <laughs> so when someone has unchecked power, their idea of what they deserve and what they have access to is warped. Mm. And it, you see this, especially in men. Sociologists have confirmed this, especially in men. You see the more power you see, they will shed the virtues that got them to a place of power in the first place. Mm. And they will exude narcissistic tendencies where everyone around them is to meet their needs. And they will often see themselves as more sexually desirable when they're very much not. So, and and when there's young prey, if you will, whether it's a college age girl, a high school age girl, whatever, they see that as completely free open game for them to take advantage of. So saying no, I think you really hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, they think of the judgment or what they have to lose or their spirituality or how they'll be seen if they'll be seen as a harlot, be cast out of the, you know, the faith community. We have to step back again and explain that this is not okay in any way, shape or form. And the Me Too movement has brought this to the forefront. Now we're still waiting on more legislation to pass for these things, but the but the reality is the conversation has has changed. And so girls understanding, I don't have to stand for this. I don't have to stand for this. And again, it goes back. If we can start that, that messaging younger and that understanding of your respect and your worth younger, we can go a lot farther in understanding you, you get to escape, you get to walk away. You don't have to do what anyone says you have to do. Mm -hmm. Even if they are holding a prestige or reputation or a financial gain over your head, you can walk away. Mm. And and I, I really feel like when you're in the midst of something, if you're in an ongoing relationship with somebody and you're like, something's not right here, this is, I'm feeling trapped. Right. Who's close to you that can lend your, their strength? Mm-hmm. I'm all about lend your strength because when you're in it and the emotions are running high, it can feel really hard to feel like I'm going to make the right decision or I'm being taken advantage of. You have to call for help. And so I just encourage you, if you're listening or if you have a daughter or a granddaughter or a friend who's going through something like this, be the one who lends their strength because that is what is needed in that moment. You know, you look at Nathan and Bathsheba. He he called up and said, you're not going to do this, David. You're not going to act like this is all okay. You're going to repent because what you have done is wrong. Yes. He was an ally. He was a male ally to Bathsheba. Although they're not in the same scene, we don't realize that, that that's what he did. He right. was the, the silence breaker on her behalf. And so being able to go to someone you trust and be able to walk this out. I know that sounds simple, but you, you'd be surprised how much that can help. I also like that you mentioned how women are blamed because of the way they dressed or whatever. And, you know, this thing, you know, you know, wearing that shirt that has your shoulder out or whatever. Oh, girl, spaghetti straps. Yes. Causing your tummy to stumble. Yeah. That that kind of stuff. And so it's just important for moms I'm speaking to. And if your girl is listening to understand, because I had to tell my daughter, you are not responsible for what a boy does. Your shoulder strap showing is not responsible for his lack of self-control. And they need to understand that. And And at the same time, you, you, 
we want our daughters to be dressing in a way that respects themselves. Right. So, and I think that's the fine line. It's not like, hey, go wear a thong on the beach. You know what I mean? How you dress, let it be something that respects yourself. Right. Let it be something where you feel like a, a woman of honor and valor. This has nothing to do with how people view you. This is about how you view yourself. And so I think if we can change that narrative even versus being like, hey, you wore that short skirt. So whatever happens to you happens to you. In fact, I have to tell you this story that I have been thinking about. I have not shared this in an interview yet, but when I was in college, I was in a sociology class and the professor asked, what is the correlation between high ice cream sales and an increase in rapes? And we had, we had to figure it out. And so one man said, oh my gosh, I have never had, this is, you know, 20 years ago. He said, oh, you know, well, if it's hot weather and people are going out to get ice cream, maybe girls are dressing a little scantily dressed and they're out in their cute little outfits. And that was his answer. His instant answer was the way they dressed was the reason they were mm. raped. Wow. And I, I, it's always stuck with me. And the reality was the answer was in hotter weather, people open their windows at night because it's hot and you're trying to get that cool air breeze going in so you can sleep better because nobody wants to sleep in, in hot weather. Mm -hmm. And of course it's hot weather. So ice cream sales are up and that is how it happens. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting that the first answer by a grown man who was an adult going back to school was, was, was this answer. And I just thought to myself, man, this is deep. This conditioning is so, so, so deep mm -hmm. that we view women as deserving of misconduct because of an article of clothing. Mm -hmm. In mm -hmm. fact, uh, I feature this in Pray Tell, but there was a display. It was in the Midwest at a college that it's called What I Was Wearing. And they were all, it was hung up of, uh, in this museum of all the things they were wearing when they were taken advantage of. And it was like a sundress or a t-shirt and sweatpants. And it just kind of disproved this idea that what you're wearing has anything to do with what happens to you. Wow. This has been an awesome conversation. And I know it's not light subject, is it? <laughs> no, but I, I'm so grateful that for you for writing this book and as a woman of faith, putting it out there. And so that we can understand one, what's happening. We can understand the programming that has been given to us from a young age and how to help our girls. Cause this generation, they are not, they're not having it. Yeah. And I'm grateful for them for speaking up and not being silent anymore. And I'm grateful for you writing this book that you can tell us as women of faith, you do not have to be silent. Yeah. And that this is not your fault and that you have power in your body. And the, the scripture that I used to always hear people uh, say would be uh, the one where it says that uh, your body is not your own mm. and your body belongs, you know, to the, is a temple or belongs to the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. But that scripture has been misused so many times. Yeah, to shame mm -hmm. when it's meant to be a celebration. Yes, yes, because my body is not my own. My body belongs to Christ. It does not belong to the man. And that's Come what on. Come on. I want people to, to get that understanding that if my body is a temple, it is not to be maligned and yeah. it is not to be um, taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you so much for talking about consent. And I'm hoping that the listeners that you will talk to your girls about consent. And if you have a boy, please talk to your boys about consent also. And that yeah. they can understand what it means to treat each other in the image of God. That's right. Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Come on. 
Well, uh, Tiffany, let my listeners know, how can they connect with you? Yes, I. you can find all things Tiffany Bloom, the book. You can listen or read the first chapter for free of Pray Tell, but there's a discussion guide, all that good stuff. Links to uh, my podcast at tiffanybloom.com. And for the everyday, I'm, I'm on Instagram at Tiffany Bloom. Okay, and I will put all of the links in the show notes. Thanks again, Tiffany, for sharing with us today. I greatly appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And remember, God is for you and you're not alone. With his spirit, you are filled with courage and strength of purpose. So don't fret, Mama. Instead, take heart. Mama Take Heart is a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you liked what you just listened to, would you take a second and leave us a rating in your favorite podcast app? It really does help more people like you find our show. This podcast is produced by me, Kelly Givens, and Stephen Sanders, with executive oversight by Stephen McGarvey. You can find more podcasts like this over at lifeaudio.com.